Ferguson. That's terrific from Vardy. Oh, what a goal by Jamie Vardy. Everything he touches turns to gold. England on terms. And Jamie Vardy's first international goal is... Every week, Louis from Carl's Army! <laughs> Louis from Carl's Army! So, also, the fans are very satisfied with Louis from Carl, and my players are also satisfied with me. Hello and welcome to this week's instalment of Action Replay Extra Time. I'm Billy Keenan and I'm joined in studio with Jack O'Toole. Jack, how are you? Not too bad, Billy, yourself? Ah, Grant, thanks for asking very much, Jack. Uh, Brian, how are you? I'm very tired. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm okay, I'm okay. Self-inflicted. Self-inflicted, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, big news this weekend, lads. Um, McGregor pulled from UFC 200 after failing to fulfil his contract obligations with the media. What do you think is going on with McGregor at this stage? We've seen his tweets. What, what do you have to say? Well, I think we were um, we were kind of out last night. So when we the news was actually breaking, I think we were actually tracking the story kind of live. Uh, basically, we must have been there. Couldn't have been too many people up that you know that late. Thank God for Twitter, though. Like, yeah, you know, that's what it's yeah, there for. Because I, I mean, most of the public was asleep on Tuesday night. But originally, I was I was kind of looking at it like the, it, it 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 can't be real. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking mm-hmm. it has to be a hoax. I was like, this he's, it's obviously trolling because I think he's got UFC two hundred. He's just lost. He's got everything on the line. He's got his whole reputation. He's got the the Budweiser dream, big ads, like everything in the world is going from. Admittedly, the Yaoka value is death, and Connor actually was there watching that fight. Maybe that did have somewhat of an impact on him, and he did say, indicate in the past that he might retire early. But I mean, I I, I just. I can't see why he would retire at this stage because I think there's too much that is going on the line for him at the moment. Yeah, just, just I'll read you the tweet that McGregor posted. I have decided to retire young. Thanks for the cheese. Catch y'all later. And then his coach, John Kavanagh, said it was fun while it lasted. Are Kavanagh and McGregor genuine or are they playing chicken brain, do you think? Um, I. It's a tough one. I think he's kind of... He might. He. I think. He, I think he has the intentions to retire young. We. We've said that. He's. He's kind of hinted it as well as Jack just said. I still feel, as the personality of McGregor. I don't know the guy. I. I don't personally know the guy. I'm not. I. I've never met him, but I feel that someone like that who says he's obsessed with, with MMA training. You know. He. He says he calls himself a freak. You know. Mm. He'll go insane without MMA. Uh, with his young age, all right. When 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 you decide to hang up the boots and the gloves and and whatnot, you you could say, all right, I've done that now. I can relax. I have a life to live now. But he's still in his prime, you know. I can't imagine him put, putting up the gloves and saying that's to be done because he he's he's the best there is in in that sport. He's carried that sport. He's carried the country that sport. I know the negative attention. I think he'll be back in MMA. Uh, I uh, maybe not in the UFC. We we would talk about that earlier, Jack, weren't mm. we? Like he, he he might go somewhere else. There was also rumors after his uh, before his last fight that he was gonna. Go, oh no, after the Aldo fight it was mm. that he was gonna go his separate way and make his own promotion. Uh, to pro- his promote his own thing. But 
I think he'll be back in the MMA at some at I some s- way. I still think that like he's I think he's he's not there yet. He's not that close yet where he can actually start his own promotion. But I do think I think this is just a direct retaliation to UFC Dana White and Co pulling him from UFC 200. I think if they didn't pull him from UFC 200 because he doesn't want to do the promo work. He's in Iceland. Yeah. He's obviously apparently from all accounts he's obsessed with this rematch. He's absolutely obsessed with with getting this win. Um, which I can kind of fully believe that because if you see, if you look at his personality and if you look at his 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 character traits in the last couple of fights, you can see the guy is just obsessed with movement and fighting. Like it's in his absolute yeah. blood. So I, I can imagine that fully. And he obviously doesn't want to after the embarrassment and the probably the the hurt of the last loss. He doesn't want to experience that again. So he's obviously completely a hundred percent devoted himself to training. And I, I kind of do agree with him. Like, does he really need to promote this fight? Like it's already going to be so big anyway, and I know the UFC will obviously look. I'm not, I don't look into the business and logistics of it, but like everyone's going to want to watch this fight anyway. The yeah. first one was a really good fight. If it was in the middle of the road, or in, you said, in, if it was in the pub or whatever, yeah. people are going to go. It was in your back garden, you know what I mean? You could get you could get people there. And I think that's because he's the, probably the proudest man we've ever seen. And like people are calling him, you know, Ali Muhammad Ali with his his taunts and his jibes, but. He's the proudest man, and he builds up his own fights. He doesn't need these re- promotion. He doesn't need to promote for, to go to these promos. Let's face it: if you have that fight outside in DCU, outside just outside the Henry Grattan, people, are, there's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching it. Mm. It's it's going to be the most watched thing because of the hate, especially Diaz, what, what he has to play in this role. But going back to his proudness, like you can't get out of the game as a loser. I don't think you know when you're that proud and you're that. Your, your 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 swagger. He there's a swagger about him, and he needs that back. Before I I can't see him retiring on a low note. Well, there's, there's, there was one other thing, and there's a UFC commentator, Brian Stan, used to be in the US military, actually retired from the US military and became a professional UFC fighter. Really good commentator, really good analyst, and he actually brought up the fact that he was looking at it like this is just a smart move by McGregor, and it's actually more of a marketing ploy in the fact that <laughs> with with John Jones coming back, uh, you know he's probably one of the best fighters of yep. all time. With with Misha Tate upsetting Holly Holm, with Demetrius Johnson's fight coming up, there's a lot of storylines going on in MMA, and he thinks this is actually a way for McGregor to keep his name in the headlines. But then again, does he? I don't know. Does he? Does he really need to? Like, I still got, think the fight. The fight. The fight is, does it is itself. The fight would do it itself. Yeah, yeah. you know. What I mean? Like, does he really need to? Like, it's not like as if he's going away you know what I mean the man who in vertical or owns the game in quotation marks you know owns the game and uh, this is he he is the UFC (laughs) this fight you know when he loses and he comes back the rematch a rematch is nearly most of the time better than what what, what the first game was or fight was you know like Muhammad Ali's rematch has brought as much attention than the the first one so I I disagree with that in, in that sense that He's using this as a marketing ploy because I still think he's bigger than Misha Tate, Holly Holm, uh, jo- Jones, and, and and a lot of others that are that are around. You know, mm. so that's that's my opinion. But like maybe he's Conor McGregor's capable of anything. Yeah, but Jack, you mentioned it. I mean, the amount of media coverage, the amount of press conferences. Does McGregor have a point? I mean, like Breen said, there you're looking at a man who's so incredibly driven. And then to step away from this training regime, you know, to talk to a bunch of media people, to build up a fight that he thinks doesn't need to. Do you, do you think there are an awful lot of press conferences? The, especially for him, there's more for him than yeah. there is anyone else. Like he does, Definitely. like the, like for the first Aldo fight. I mean, they did a world tour where they went on like what, yeah. like eight different cities. 
thing I did for press conference talking to all the local media. So I think he does more media work than anyone else in the UFC, and it just um, it must grind him down. And you can see progressively over the fights, even after the Siva fight, um, you know, in in the build up to the Aldo fight, and this sorry, the Mendes fight as well. Like you can see it progressively starts to wear him down a little bit, and on top of the weight cuts he has to make as well. So I do think it's all it, it's all contributing factors, and and but I I can't. Like I was, I was saying to the, to the lads last night, I, I really can't see him stepping away from the sport. I definitely think before the end of the year, he'll have a fight announced. I, I, I don't think you... I do think maybe the Cavalio dad probably did. Maybe you could think, oh, I might kind of call it yeah. a bit earlier than, than I might expect. But at 27, in his physical prime, top of the world, making more money than anyone else ever has, I, I kind of have... I I find it hard to believe on face value. I just want to point out, you know, Joe Brawley had a, a t- thing in, in the Irish Times, I think it was, and uh, recently, and it was saying, it was t- about MMA and how it should be banned. It was calling for it to be banned, and uh, he said there's Conor McGregor pounding his chest while there's a man slowly dying in the ring, you know. Uh, I think that, all right, maybe Joe Brawley didn't have that effect on him, but maybe th- there was a few other people who came out and public- publicly criticised him that could have had an effect. But going back on, on uh, your point on is the distractions of the pr- promotions, look at Ronda Rousey. When she lost to Holly Holm, she, was, she said, I didn't lose, I didn't lose, it was a lucky shot, it was a lucky shot, all, all this crack, which is nonsense in my eyes. But then Brock Lesnar came out and said, when you're shooting six films... Uh, around your, yeah. your next fight, and that's she, that's distra- how, how how can you expect to be the champion? Well, you know? she was down in Melbourne and she has a whole heap of film agents trying to talk to her. Going for yeah. lunch with film agents like in the week of a fight, you know what I mean? Like that's you can't prepare for. Yeah, a fight. when this Holly Holm girl, who's like you know basically one of the best women kickboxers of all time, and she's smacking pads six hours a day, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble when you get into the octagon yeah, if you're talking about. He, it, that also resonates with a. Uh, with Conor McGregor, I, I think you know he, he probably does see Iceland he is a bit like that, Iceland yeah. is to put it in the middle of nowhere, you know, mm. media wise. So he probably feels if if he does maybe I think this is a is a gimmick, personally. So I think he's just he's gonna be training for a while to get right because that weight is still very tough and that's his obsession to beat Nate Diaz at the weight that he first fought him at. Absolutely, I think you're, you're dead right and. Didn't McGregor turn down a movie role, or he did, yeah, you know, he and he said because I'm fully committed to returning in the UFC, and I think that point about Holly Holm is completely justified. You're not gonna, you're talking about lucky shots. Yeah, you can call a lucky shot, but you were off having coffee and and you know thinking about other things in the week of of a fight, and they fight so rarely that you have to be 100% dedicated and focused on the fight itself. I thought this was going to be lively, Jeff, but the Kilkenny boys have come out with sticks, Jeff. Oh, I don't believe it! So the Wexford lads! <laughs> this could kick off lively, Jeff. Bill, I think it's absolutely disgraceful. Fight. You know, and then, you know, Mickey Hart jumping up and down and cheering and smiling afterwards as if they've achieved something good. I'll tell you what they've achieved. They've achieved something absolutely rotten. And they're becoming a template for clubs and for counties all over the country now. Young teams going out, an under-16 match on Wednesday night. Two sweepers methodically pulling down the opposing team as they're coming up the field. This is how you do it, you get the job done. This is the new language. The, euphemis- the euphemism for cheating is closing the game out. That, that what, he, what Sean Cavanagh did, I cannot believe that somebody awarded him the man of the match. That was a total and absolute disgrace. That's the antithesis, hold on of what Gaelic games are about. You're supposed to be able to look your opponent in the face. What, we, what do we teach kids? 
so last week we witnessed one of the most embarrassing performances from a minor county team uh, probably ever. It was kind of it, it was it was kind of embarrassing and it was it was disheartening for the team. Wexford lost by seventy one points to, or Wexford beat Kilkenny by seventy one points in a minor county semi final. We have Caleb Roach on the phone now, a man who has been part of the Kilkenny footballing panel since he was sixteen. Uh, Caleb, thanks very much for coming on. No, I have to talk. Uh, it's been a bit of an embarrassing week for Kilkenny minor football. Uh, what's your take on the game last week? Well, I was actually at the match myself, so I was. And um, I suppose it's a very disappointing result, like, because I suppose when you put, throw a team together three weeks before a match, what do you expect, really? Like, you know, and when there is no uh, club football structure, in Kilkenny, how are you supposed to get a team to compete at inter county level? Like, do you know what? There's club football, a team in club football in Kilkenny, minor team, is guaranteed one football match a year. Yeah. And even if you win that match, as my own club, we uh, won the semi final last year's championship. We got a walk over in the quarter final. We won the semi final, and we're still waiting on last year's county final to be played. Like uh, I don't know how they can expect to put a team into the county when there is no club structure. Like you know, they, um, and as I say, I was at the match myself the other day, and I felt sorry for the young lads. To be honest, like and especially when you had some of the hierarchy of the county boards sitting there at the start of the match, oh, laughing and glowing, didn't care about the match, but as the scoreline started to go the other way, they suddenly disappeared. You know, and it's not good enough, like. Yeah, and obviously everyone knows that Kilkenny is a hurling county. There's that. That's one thing for sure. But uh, is there is there no system at all in place to to fix this to like to turn to shorten the gap? No, there's very little <clears throat> system. Like the the senior football county final is uh, next weekend, like you know, and they just want to play it off before the hurling. That's it. Like you know, they have um, a senior football team in Kilkenny is guaranteed three league matches and one championship that's it four matches you're guaranteed unless if you win fair enough you go on you might get a few more you know so you do but whereas a junior hurling team Kenny, are guaranteed and this is before knockout guaranteed 15 hurling matches and uh, just looking at some of the results from over the years it seems to be happening since right back to 2001 uh, do you think now, after the result against Wexford, it'll put pressure on the county board to actually just sit down and sort out a system? No, I don't think it will. Um, they had a, a, a meeting call last night, like you know, but that's only to me. I think that's just to see or to show that they're doing something. Like you know, there was a meeting. The uh, meeting should have been called at the start of the year to lay out how they're going to tackle football. Like last year, the Kenny Junior team had a very good year. In fairness, like. We won the British Junior Championship and got to the, an All Ireland Junior semi final and got bet by Mayo by five or six points. You know, like after having a good year, they should have been sitting down this year and trying to trying to do something with the structure of the football in Kenny. But clearly, they don't want to like you know. Um, Caleb, uh, I'm I, I'm from Waterford first and foremost, and I'm I'm happy when Kilkenny get beaten as the hurlers, you know, just just from a rival point. But I'm I'm not happy to see what what happened transpire last week. Um, 
But in in my county's case, uh, we 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 have a similar situation. Although we do have for people who who are we have more people who are willing to play football. We've or I'm from West Waterford, it's a stronghold. But uh, yeah. uh, we had a we had a thing when our county final was played. Senior county final was played the day before the Munster semi final against Nemo Rangers yeah. and uh, Strabley, who who turned out to win. Yeah. They they did not turn up for the division four. Uh, the, for the for the senior county team, they they in protest against the county board. They they said they they're not going to take part. Do you think even if you guys or some some at senior level, uh, if you take a stand, that anything will be done? I don't think so, to be honest. Like the law was, they don't really care. To be honest, once they get get a team to fulfil a fixture, as far as I can see, you know, it's just the tick boxes for them. I think you know, they they took the senior team or the junior team will say out of the national league a couple of years ago, and now they haven't been over in in um in Britain, which is <clears throat> great. They're playing football, all right, and it was great to win it last year and all that. But realistically, like you don't want to be going to to England to play Gaelic football. Like you want yeah. to be playing it in Ireland. You know, you want to be competing with teams here, whether it be a junior level or whatever. You know, there has to be more done for it. But I don't think they're going to do anything in the near future anyway. They're also saying, you know, a lot of people in comments on Facebook and stuff have been saying that they should be forcing Kilkenny people. Do you think that's a way forward as well? If I, I, personally, in my opinion, you can't force someone to do something they don't want to do. No, but like all you have to do, in my view, is put a proper structure underage for underage teams and say at the start of the year, say to teams, all the teams in Kilkenny, do you want to play football? If you want to play a football, put in a football team. Simple as that. You'd get your underage teams having playing football. So you would. So when they do come to minor and these cases, like you will have a better better team. Like the only proper age structure in Kenny that's played properly in football is under fourteen level. Which, in fairness, there's a league championship yeah. to get enough games in both. Like, and we seen last year where the O'Loughlin Gales under fourteen team and Dan's fourth under fourteen team competed well in the field and yeah. both of them got to two finals I'm not sure what division it was in now wasn't the top ones you know but they got to it it just shows when they're playing regular football they will compete with other teams around the country like. that leads me to my next question I'm not sure if you are aware uh, Colm Keyes for the Independent wrote an article uh, a few days ago and he, he was going back on when there was a hurling conference maybe in 2005 on how to improve the sport into more more counties and you know Gerlach Nan and all the Michael Dignam they were they were kind of you know laughing at that football calling it a, a kicking catching and kicking sport it's you know they were all laughing but Brian Cody stood up then <coughs> it's a, he said and he said what you were saying I, when they're playing for the schools at underage level they want to play and I have no problem with that but he said that there is no interest in Kilkenny to, to field football teams and as I said you can't force anyone to do it You're, you cannot expect Kilkenny to just pick up football it, it was it was kind of trying to help the cause of trying to get more hurling counties you can't force counties to pick up the hurl, the hurley and, and the sitter you know but do you think when Brian Cody your kind of your county's probably most famous person is saying things like that that that's that's a bit shocking it is, uh, I would consider it shocking anyway, because there is plenty of clubs in Kenny that want to play football. Like, in North Kenny, there's loads of clubs. Yeah. In my own club, Rail Yard, we have a uh, club, Mukali, who loves football. Down the south, you have a lot of teams. So you do uh, good council um, 
in New Ross won the Leinster Colleges last year, I think, and have a lot of Kilkenny men playing That's football. That's true, yeah. So there is like there is loads of uh, clubs that do. That's why I'm saying if they did put it in place that just put in a football team if you want to play football, simple as that. And if you don't, you don't have to, and you can just have your league among the teams that want to play football. Then you get to fit it in. But as I say, like uh, to say a senior county final is being played next week, you know, May Bank Holiday weekend, the Saturday. Yeah. That's going to be football finished in Kenny like before May starts. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, anyway, Caleb, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for coming on. No hassle at all. Thank you. Thanks, cheers. That was he, he was passionate, wasn't he? He seemed a lot. He seemed very disheartened by it. Yeah, no, I I can totally feel where he's coming from, uh, especially with the county board. I think it was more for the media. Uh, like the chairman came out and said, uh, "I'm very sorry for the young lads who, who, who how this happened to." But uh, the, the, the same thing the same thing happened in Waterford for the for the the, the club, and uh, the one of the former managers, Jackson Kiley, came out and he said to the Irish Examiner, he said that will not change anything. He was like, "That was a waste of time." He said because it's just for the media to show that oh we're we're putting in, for the GAA I suppose to, to show them in a more positive light. It is an absolute disgrace, and I'm not sure if you're aware with the hurling banter page, he put up a thing uh, stick stick to the hurling lads or something like that. He bit a little little bit of a jab. He's a Clare man. But uh, he also, uh, under the comments, there was some very, very, very passionate posts saying, these are young lads, you know, mental health is such an issue with young lads at this age. Uh, Getting beaten by 71 points in any sport uh, or whatever whatever the system you're playing in is so embarrassing and I my, my heart does go out to him uh, I I hope no, I, my worst enemy doesn't if 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 Cork or Tipperary if that happened to I, it, I, I would feel very very sad you know oh it's just ridiculous like I mean it, like like Caleb was saying it doesn't take much to just sit down actually take the sport serious have a bit of respect first and foremost for the sport put a po- proper system in place allow them if they want to play let them play and like you said, you can't force people to play, but Caleb, as Caleb was saying, once you get these players playing, they're good footballers. It's not that the talent's not there, it's the fact that the system's not there. And personally, I think it's absolutely scandalous that the county board in Kilkenny are allowed to get away with this. There should be, if they're not going to put a system in place, I would take another branch out and actually start my own county board, get them to allow them just a, a separate county board for football alone. Look! Look at Kerry Hurlers. They used to be the laughing stock of her of hurling, you know, of oh, the only club in Munster not to pick up um, hurlies and, and slitters, you know. But there were people there who genuinely played. There's that little pocket in Kerry where hurling is basically their only sport in some some cases, you know. And look at them now in Division One, uh, st- like. St- Absolutely fantastic. Why can't something? All right, it mightn't come to that as much of that of a success story as Kerry have, but you know, a competitive in Division Four, you know, maybe winning one game a year yeah. against teams that also don't put too much effort into football, uh, that there's no in the band, and w- w- why not? But another thing is, I might get this quote wrong, so don't laugh. But there's a film called Feel the Dreams. Uh, <laughs> there's a saying: "Is build a field and and they will come." You know, if you put the if system in place, it, if you build, put yeah. the system in place, there'll be people who are willing to play. And if there's not, then scrap it. What's it's it's not going to be too much added expenditure to their very. Or it's a small county in in regards to numbers, but you know, it's not going to be that that huge in, in, in expenditure. Yeah, I mean, like. Even if you look at if you look at Donegal, Donegal are not a hurling county, yeah. but they have they have five clubs, a small pocket of clubs who play hurling, and they're playing the county in in the Division Two B, 
and at least they're there competing. Yeah. Uh, they're not getting embarrassed week in, week out. They're playing at the same level as other clubs at that level. And it's it's fair on them, but it's not fair on eighteen year old, sixteen year old lads going out in the field and getting an absolute trousing. And it's been happening since two thousand and one. I was looking at the results; they've been beaten by not not big footballing counties. Yeah. They've been beaten like it was eight eight thirteen to zero three by Offaly. They conceded ten goals against a dual county. They, they uh, conceded ten goals against Leash. A dual uh, county. Nine twenty against Dublin. Fair enough, it's Dublin. Yeah, but still they and. Against Meath, the, it was I think the final score was six six seventeen to zero zero. Yeah. That is not fair for sixteen year old lads to go out and have that. I I completely agree. Uh, I just want like I I, I should probably should have should have asked, but uh, what, did they not win one single kick out? Like that's that's the way I'm envisaging that game. I wasn't there obviously, but uh, you know. <sighs> It's so, so grim. You know, Jose Mourinho uh, says when he fields a team out in the Capital One Cup and uh, he starts a strong side and people are asking, why aren't the youngsters playing? He says, because I respect the competition. My fans are coming out to see this. The pe- the players who are playing, I'm respecting the competition. I'm not going to downgrade this competition because you say it's not as important. Yeah. And and I, I completely agree with him there. It's 100%, 100% true. There's, there's people who, who put in so much effort to see that the structure there isn't there that's failing them it's a failed structure it's not helping them and I, I, I just my heart goes out to the Kilkenny footballers the, the minors the young lads who, who turned up on the day uh, and their county board let them down yeah no it was, it was absolutely scandalous and I, I, I really really feel for them but anyway we'll wrap the GAA chat up for that uh, for now uh, we'll move on now to Billy and Jack with the rugby moving on to rugby now we had a, uh, a particularly good game in the sports ground over the weekend uh, our very own Jamie Concannon who appears on Action Replay was at the match um, Bundy Aki he was absolutely phenomenal yeah, yeah. He's during the match uh, a number of players leave New Zealand to come abroad and Bundy Aki was a player who said he has expressed an interest in playing in Ireland do you think that Bundyaki is one of these players who could possibly return to New Zealand with a higher reputation than when he left? I, I, I think his contract's going to be coming up. I think it's the end of 2017. if not End of next year, end yeah. End of next year, yeah. And I think he'll be very sought after amongst European clubs. And I do think that the All Blacks maybe might be looking at him but and you know maybe trying to get him back um, into, their, into their reach as well. But I do think the RFU will do everything in their power. As it probably has been with the RFU over the last couple of years, they'll you know they've got no problems with with giving I suppose foreign-born players with with no real connection to Ireland at all, giving them you know um, residency and then giving them caps as well. So I do think from a talent point of view, that seems to be the RFU have gone over the last couple of years. We've seen Jared Payne, CJ Stander, Nathan White. There's a, there's a good couple of examples there. So I think the RFU will do everything in their power to retain him and trying to make him do with everything that they can to make him an Ireland international. Um, but regards to the performance, he was he was exceptional. Uh, a number yeah. of line breaks, a number a number of big tackles. I thought maybe about after twenty minutes, he, he does have this kind of tendency to kind of lose the plot a bit. You know, he can get a bit too emotionally invested, and he can yeah. kind of lash out and retaliate a little bit. But he did keep it in check for most of the game, and he, he was he was superb. It was and and as were Connor for most of the day. Yeah, um, Ali Muldowney has reported that he could be moving to Grenoble at the end of the year. He's he's definitely leaving Connacht. You know, a 32-year-old who's r- arrived from Exeter Chiefs. He he hasn't played a whole lot of professional rugby. I think he's someone who Pat Lamb has got his hands on and moulded into actually, actually incredible rugby player. He's phenomenal for Connacht. And going back to Bundy Aki, there was a position at the end of the, the match where I think it was Dave Kilcoyne fell slap bang on his knee, fully oh, yeah. extended. 
and he was on the pitch writhing closer tears but he got back up and he finished off the game Pat Lamas said that that this guy's commitment to Connacht is above and beyond and you know it's rivaling someone like John Muldoon who is Connacht personified yeah I completely agree uh, just going back for the game if we go back to the game uh, I thought the, the, the yellow card on Cronin was very harsh I it, it, there was a few times where the referee was on the other side of the scrum and uh, he didn't. He didn't call. Uh, he didn't call penalty against Connacht. And it was just the one time he did give the warning. That is fair. He did give the warning. I thought he was very, very quick to give the warning, though. Uh, um, but it just came at a wrong time. Munster had everything going for them. Uh, really did it at the first first 20, 20, 30 minutes. And the yellow card just came at a horrible time when they needed to get into half time with that lead. Mm. Um, the only thing that I think that Munster still have as strong as they did back in the glory days is the, the running mall. That's what got them to try. Uh, it was going so well and it they just capitulated. I don't think it was a question of quality or anything. I just think the, the events in the match just went Connacht's way on the day and but they were absolutely exceptional once again. Sports ground is turning into a, a mini fortress because it's, it's, it's not the biggest uh, ground in the world in terms of capacity. But my, ugh, the, people are starting to fear going there now. Leinster, Munster, Scalps, it's absolutely phenomenal. They've lost one Pro 12 game this year at home. Uh-huh. Connacht. Yeah. Uh, the sports ground is phenomenal and I've been there myself and uh, this was last year before the hype had even grown to the levels that it is now and it's phenomenal and we often talk about does the crowd play a factor you got to remember that these guys are human and if 8,000 people are screaming at you <laughs> yeah. it obviously influences yeah. you if you're a Connacht player and you, exactly. know, you haven't played at the big Aviva Stadium no. you haven't played at Twickenham or anything like that this is probably for a lot of them you know this is the, probably the best yeah. atmosphere they're going to yeah. well hopefully in the past you say this is the best they're going to experience but hopefully now given their performances hopefully a lot of them will actually go on to much bigger and better things it's the old tournament before the stand, the big stands were put up that's exactly what it I, I, it's, it's exactly what it is I, ca- I can't say it any, any way other than that it's just 8,000 fans screaming passionate just love the game of rugby if that doesn't get you going I uh, I don't know. I don't know mm. what does. They're the epitome of a, of a great story. Talking a little bit about Munster, I'd rather focus on the positivity of Connacht rather than, you know, the, dire sheer, the dire situation of Munster. Um, Munster are now seventh in the Pro 12. Yeah. They're playing uh, Edinburgh, who are placed sixth in Musgrave Park uh, after the uh, Champions Cup weekend. Now, Brian, you and I and Jack were talking uh, a few weeks ago about how Munster were on the verge of not even talking about top four, but making the top six. Yeah. Uh, on their current performances, again, I don't think that they showed enough to warrant even uh, getting getting into that top six. However, they are playing Edinburgh and Scarlets at home, and the performances of it looks like Munster may qualify on the results of other people's performances rather than their own because Edinburgh, having played Leinster the weekend and Scarlets having played Glasgow, have slipped and dipped in their performances. So I think Munster might just edge it in. Yeah, well, um, Connecticut didn't have a great perf- uh, performance the weekend either. Yeah. So that that you know they're not in great form either. But don't look at that game. They have to look at Edinburgh. Uh, that's their cup final. Yeah, as simple as six and seven to to slip in. Yeah, I mean, Foley's been saying though that er- that these last couple of games have been cup finals. And if you watch the game on the, on the weekend in the sports grounds like that, it's not a cup final no. performance. It's not cup final intensity. It's not cup, cup final passion. Bad decision. But I just think overall. Whether they make the top four, whether they make the top six, whether they qualify for Europe, whether they don't, the problems at Monster are absolutely systemic and yep. just completely debrewed. Like it, it's, you've basically got a situation where they still have a lot of debt to pay off on on Tolman Park. I think nine million. The it's crowds, the crowds are decreasing year on year. Yep. They've basically they've pissed off their supporter base by basically, you know, the whole JJ Hanrahan situation still kind of rolling out with yep. Keatley. 
Um, you know, there's just a litany of issues there that they haven't really solved. Like even telling the fans to show respect, like when the fans they're, are like, the, the, most of the fans have never booed their own players. Never. But they, but they, are, but they're also very fiercely proud and passionate people. So they're going to let them know that there's look there's a problem going on and they're doing nothing to fix it. But I think the most damning indictment of it, of it all was was what I read over the weekend when it came out in all the rugby reports was that. So they basically at the start of the season they hired Andy Farrell as in an advisory role as a guy who as somewhat would be a technical maybe director that yeah. would assist Foley. Basically a guy who's come over from rugby league had a, played a couple good couple of games for England. He's actually a very good defence coach. Yeah, it was part of the Lions um, just tour to Australia and the successful Lions tour to Australia as yeah. a defence coach. But I mean he's not going to solve out the, the issues in attack or he's not going to solve it's out It's probably costing a lot of money. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest diamond was Conor O'Shea, the one guy who could arguably fix a director of rugby, which is what they really need so desperately, or you know, and some guy, and Conor O'Shea, who's excelled at London Irish Harlequins, he's now got the Italy job, actually has connections with Bo Foley and Gareth Fitzgerald, the CEO of Munster. He was never contacted once by yeah. Munster, and it's just like the one guy they actually need <laughs> more than anything who's actually available coming out of contract and, and is from Limerick himself. And you know, you, you make no effort to contact him. That to me is just so strangely bizarre. I think they're very lucky because it's so obvious what the problems are at Munster. It's yeah. when when things are going so bad, it's usually head scratching. Let's look at Chelsea this year. It, it is very head scratching what, what, what went wrong with them this year. You know, uh, going to soccer. I, I hate comparing sports, but that's the, that's that's pretty much it. But it, the uh, the problems are so obvious. Mm. What, what like? They're, and going back to the booing, they're, they're, why are they coming out and saying that? They're not booing the players. They might have booed maybe Keatley, Theo Keatley's decision making, mm. bit of bit, but they're booing what's going on. They're not booing yeah, the exactly. performance. They're booing the situation. Yeah. And once the, the once the uh, the hierarchy understand that, uh, it's going to be a lot easier to fix. Uh, yeah, Brian, I, I understand completely. There's, there's obviously a systemic problem in Munster, and focusing on on two players now revolving around two games. Uh, Josh van der Fleer had another incredible performance yeah. against uh, mm-hmm. against Edinburgh. Maybe incredible might be too much, but the level of consistency in his game has has been has been incredible, and I, and I think that's what really stands out for Josh van der Fleer when when he plays for Leinster. Absolutely, and I think he was. I think he's been outstanding for them all season. I think he's, he's he was the first guy of that academy kind of group. You know, the Peter Dooley's, the Ross Maloney's, to really kind of break into the Leinster team as own. And he even did. He did well enough to break into the Irish team as well. And I think he was a bit unfairly treated with um, with regards to the Irish team because I think he didn't do too bad in that English game. And then he was no, dropped not, for not the even Italy remotely. Game, yeah, and he came back for the Scotland game as well. So it's I think I think he's definitely going to have a bright future. And there's talk of him like there's some people I read today saying like oh he can't, he can't he can't send him to South Africa. South Africa will just maul over him. He's one of the best tacklers <laughs> in the Pro 12. Yeah, he's, you know what I mean? he, he's consistently performing above and beyond these so-called players who you can bring to South Africa. Yeah. So yes, bring him to South Africa. Yeah. And uh, I was talking. I was at the at the match. I was lucky enough to uh, avoid being frostbit while at the match. But um, uh, Josh van der Fleer. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, Josh van der Fleer is performing incredibly well. And we were talking about the physicality of the guy. He, he's not in a he's not a huge man, but what he does have is an incredible core strength and and build. You know, you look at the likes of Sean O'Brien, Keenley, Stephen Ferris, who are packing on weight to absorb these huge hits. Mm. You know, Michael Hooper and Josh van der Fleer, these guys aren't incredibly large, but they are conditioned yeah. correctly. And I think Liam it'd be worth... Liam, Liam Gill, exactly, with his incredible drop goal at the weekend uh, from, I don't know how far out. 40 metres. 40 metres. 
it's just ridiculous. Uh, Sergio Parise, take note. Um, <laughs> uh, Breen and Tommy Bowe returned after his last game playing for for France in the World Cup. He had a horrendous knee injury. You know, it's great seeing one of our one of our star internationals returning with a brace of tries. Well, it's very good because we all know Tommy Bowe has quality. It's quality personified. Uh, you know, he he missed a tackle in the run up to. Uh, the, the World Cup and he you know he was out of favour for a few games and you know his form was kind of questioned then he got injured and now he's back scoring a try I think you know we, we, there was huge question marks on our, our, our on our backs this this uh, the Six Nations uh, you know Zebo's unpredictability sometimes it's mm-hmm. absolute work class sometimes he makes foolish foolish errors Keith Ers has been kind of questioned a little bit you know he's solid all of our all of our backs are solid players mm. you know they're not fantastic they're solid Tommy Bowe's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he, decision making is sublime, and just he's not the fastest player in the world, but you know he's very, 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 very good. And before we end the show, I'd like a name from each of the provinces that you want to see, and the tour to South Africa. Starting with you, Jack. Okay, where do you start? Um, with Monster, I would like to see Billy Holland get a run. Yeah, I'd, I think he's he's improved immensely, yeah, and I would like to see him get a call up. Um, with Connacht, who would you go with from Connacht? Matt um, Healy. To be fair, Matt Healy. Matt yeah. Healy. Sorry, yeah, Matt Healy. Giving you one name with Connacht is, is unfair. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, Matt Healy. I think his performance has been incredible. Even look at his uh, Challenge Cup performances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Matt Healy. I think for for Connacht for Ulster, um, ju- Ian Henderson. Just on the fact that he's been injured, and I think he just he was he was another one to return as well. Yeah. So I really want to see him. Get um, into the second row because I think with him and Ulton Dion, I think if we can get those guys in oh, into at least two of the games, we haven't talked. I think we've, got, we've got a fantastic, fantastic <laughs> second row for the future there. And then with Leinster, um, I'd like to see Ross Maloney get in as well. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. quite impressed yeah. with him over the over the over the over the course of the season. I think, yeah, and he, I think when he, he's he kind of look at that with Devon Toner going and Mike McCarthy for the Six Nations in that Bath game. He really stood up and he got man of the yeah. match in that game as well. And you know, basically, it was his, his Champions Cup debut. He only played a handful of games with Leinster, so I think he's he, he's one that will rise to the occasion. I've been very impressed by him, so he I'd like to see him get a run. Yeah, maybe it's t- it might be a little bit too early, but I I think Ross. Maloney could probably fall under that bracket of con- conditioning that we were yeah. talking about but you're dead right that Ross Maloney is performing admirably as well for Leinster and he's keeping the likes of you know uh, Mick Carney and uh, Tom Denton and even sometimes Devin Toner at the starting team so mm-hmm. uh, I think he's worth maybe even indul- like indulging into camp like Just, Gary yeah. Rose was yeah. uh, Brian no, the, you, took, you took mine Matt Healy was, was a standout uh, people have been questioning kind of his shape and physique, you know. Uh, some, was it you? I'm not sure who mentioned it to me. He, he, against George North, he's not gonna he's not gonna do a job, you know. He's mm. he's he's not. He's not, George North's gonna run through him. But you know, in special games, he, he's a he is a, he's a very very special he's a player. Good guy to bring on exactly. I, I, like I when bench. you need when you need when you need scores, he you bring him on. Uh, just question his physique. That's all. But you you picked all of all of mine. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, me being me, I, I can't really look past props. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see Dennis Buckley and, in particular, oh, Finley yes, Balaam from Connacht. That's yeah. when you said Matt Healy. I said I have to give you a few more names. I think the two of them have been have been incredible. Uh, their athleticism um, is is phenomenal, and Dennis Buckley's work around the breakdown and Finley Balaam's hands has to be commended. I think from Ulster, yeah, Ian Henderson. I, I want to see him back in a green jersey because we know what he can do. Leinster. Guy Ringrose and Josh van der Fleer. And from Munster, I think Billy Holland 
has been really has been incredible. Mm. You know, he is on the on the thirty age mark, but I think I think CJ Stander might have to have another go at that uh, at that back row for Ireland. So you know, I hope we see these guys on the plane. You know, three tests of South Africa in a World Cup year. It's not going to be pretty, but I think the likes of Healy, Henderson, and uh, even Maloney should be given the shot. So. Hopefully the tour goes well. And Jack, Breen, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Never give up on your dream.